Hi, this is David Michelini. I wrote The Amazing Spider-Man, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle All the questions and the webs left out to tangle in 1962 last Wednesdays afternoon they'll bend your ears with a reckless self abandon of the amazing spider talk of the amazing spider talk come swing through the air sit back and prepare for the Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Kavostin and I am the editor and founder of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the editor of the Chasing Amazing blog and now an editor at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Awesome. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for our fourth matrimonial episode of Amazing Spider Talk, Renew Your Vows edition. I think matrimonial is the only adjective I could come up with related to marrying someone. What means marriage? (laughs) Well, we hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, Dan. And for this matrimonial episode, we'll be discussing Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number 4 by Dan Slott, Adam Kubert, and Scott Hanna. And then we'll be unveiling our first ever Amazing Spider Talk t-shirt. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. Of course, if you hear this sound, please check out your iOS device for a link to an article, video, or image to enhance your listening experience. Mark, I feel like I have to address this because we know that this episode wasn't released on our typical schedule, which we normally release episodes every Friday morning. But uh, (laughs) due to technical issues, we had to delay uh, this episode, and so we thank you guys for staying with us. Mark, you want to speak to the nightmare that was recording the last episode? Yeah, well, you know, basically, it seemed like every time I started to talk in a sentence that lasted more than, like, five seconds, you would, like, be on the alarm, like, Mark, I lost you. Mark, I lost you. And like, I always heard you just fine, but like, it clearly was a connect, some kind of connection issue and it was affecting basically. And you know, I'm a long winded guy, Dan. So that was like, it was kryptonite for me. Even, even Flash was depressed by it. You could tell Flash was just not his usual, um, pissy self. He was was just pissed. (laughs) Well, we want to spend a special, send a special thanks to uh, Time Warner Cable for sponsoring the last episode of the show. Yes, Time Warner Cable. At least they didn't merge with Cable Town. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, enough of that nonsense, Mark. Uh, I guess let's get back to a regularly scheduled program with a discussion of the penultimate issue of Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. Dan, here we are, penultimate issue, 
We've been liking this series so far. I think we've been really liking this series. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been one of the better things that Dan Slott has written in a while. And Adam Cooper's been very good as well. Very, very, you know, kind of what you would expect from a a guest celebrity-ish artist. But, you know, I got to say that I I, I think this fourth issue kind of kind of took a detour and it wasn't a pleasant one. Um, not that it was bad, but, you know, I think this, the main selling point of the series through the first three issues has been the family dynamic and kind of the, the intimacy and warmth and urgency that came with that. And, you know, I mean, this issue by design put Peter and Mary Jane and Annie in separate places and, you know, took away that dynamic completely. And I think it suffered for it. Yeah, I agree with you, and I think it's the book is never able able to overcome it. It just kind of they they split up, and you can just feel the bottom drop out of this comic. And yeah, I mean, and Dan, I mean, I I think we started to see some of those old issues that we've been having with some of the slot stories uh, over the past year or so. And I think I I, I think you know not having I don't want to say crutch, but I think having having the right to family allowed Dan to maybe push himself in some unique ways, and this it kind of felt like he was going back to his formulaic Spider-Man story writing again. Uh, and we'll get into those specificities shortly. Um, but I guess something that we're at least a little thankful for didn't devolve into uh, some Spider-Verse-esque uh, silliness was... Regent's reasons for wanting Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Oh, I breathed a sigh of relief when when this is said. You know, uh, Regent is just looking for him for his Spider-Sense abilities so that he can, I guess, dodge any of Doctor Doom's attacks when he inevitably decides to take on the Mad Doctor and uh, and try to take control of Battleworld, which is kind of a lame I mean, it's not really a lame conceit. It's just that every single book in Secret Wars has this plot line for its villain. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a great reveal, but at least it wasn't like, you know, magic crystal reveal. <laughs> well, we did get some magic in this. We got a magic arrow in this issue. <laughs> I know you love your magic in your spider books, uh, Mark. Are you ready for some Magic Scrolls Part 2? You Taking know, the form of magic arrows? You know, when when Spider-Man... When, when the first thing I think of when I think of Spider-Man is, is magic and mysticism. He, he truly... Well, I shouldn't say that because the Straczynski run focused a lot on mysticism. And that was, for the most part, a very good run of comics. But still. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, right. When I read Magic Arrow in the script, I was like, oh... Mark is gonna gonna go off the handle about this one. Well, I didn't go off the handle, but you know, yeah, it's just <laughs> it was it, like I said, it wasn't a great reveal. I mean, you know, I, I I also don't even know pragmatically if this is something that Regent really would would really benefit him, since Doom for the most part is omnipotent. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, think- I, I agree with you there, but it also kind of blows like. It makes his like speech in the past issue kind of silly. It's like, I I will take Spider Man's powers over everyone else's, and then he's like, I'm just going to use it to dodge Doom. And you're like, really? That doesn't seem that much more powerful than anything else. <laughs> Especially when you have like, uh, like telepathy powers. Like, couldn't you just read Doom's mind? No. 
<laughs> and then there's not to get too far ahead here, but there's this whole emphasis in this issue while we're talking about Regent on Regent's powers being like limited use items. Like he only has like five magic spells he can cast of any. I felt like I was like playing a video game RPG and I was like, I only have five magic missile. Choose your own adventure, Dan. <laughs> Get me some Mountain Dew, and I'm going to cast some Magic Missile. Oh, man. Now, now you're degrading Mountain Dew drinkers. Come on, Dan. <laughs> that could be like 30% of our audience for all we know. <laughs> I might be a Mountain Dew drinker. You, you never know. I don't touch the stuff. but you No, know, I don't I, either. But I, I have other liquid vices. <laughs> <laughs> um, but enough about liquid vices. Let's talk about Spider-Man's vices, which is for the fact that... Um, um, you know, for the most part, he's pretty useless in this issue, which is kind of, again, disappointing. And, 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 and what we were getting in Spider-Verse and some other stories and what we really hadn't been getting through the first three issues of Renew Your Vows. I mean, yeah, it, it makes sense, at least in this instance. I mean, if Regent has been built up as this very powerful foe, he took down the Avengers by himself with the powers he stole from the X-Men. Um, but... And it's not like he's incompetent or being um, impetuous or anything like that. But I don't know. Spider-Man is just kind of like captured and the villain soliloquy is like a Bond villain. And um, and that's it. And it's up to the, his child and his wife to save him. And this like ragtag shield crew. I don't know, Dan. I just was kind of like expecting – I was expecting the way the story was originally being built up more about – Spider-Man kind of having to work through his own issues to save his family or not, you know, not, not this reversal, which I felt came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I think I would be okay with the reversal if one Peter had something to do in this issue. And I guess the big moment for him in this issue is meant to be the reveal of D man and what's going on with D man, him being kind of like, I guess, uh, not autopsy, but he's being taken apart piece by piece to, I guess, collect his powers. I'm not really sure how that works. Um, and Peter sees him and kind of has this moment of realization that, oh, this is what was happening because I couldn't act, and I just didn't buy that at all. Like, someone as smart as Peter didn't realize that this was going on the whole time. Right. Um, it just feels false to me. But uh, also that he's kind of just trapped the whole time, and I like the threat that, he, you know, Regent just allows him to die in that tube there. That was, you know, kind of chilling, to be honest, you know, that a villain's not like, well, here's my laser sharks, you know. Right, uh, right. He's just like, okay, you're dead. And, and I'm like, all right, that, that's kind of refreshing. But Peter doesn't have much to do. And so instead, MJ and, and specifically Annie uh, is allowed to take on the entire Sinister Six and be victorious, and that just feels false to me, and and not what I would have wanted out of like seeing their half of the story, which I think I could have bought if it wasn't so ridiculous. You know, I I I, I don't want to be glib, Dan, but I mean, like, I kind of was expecting Annie to like throw on her silk costume in this in this <laughs> issue, because like, it's just like I don't know, like she this this child who is kind of. Being allowed to operate with her powers completely uninhibited for the first time is completely dismantling, you know, the the main villain's right hand men. You know, I mean, it, it felt really 
absurd to me. I mean, and, and, and not that I want to see a child in a comic get like beat up and tortured, but there just had to be a different way to get to this point. And, and, and I felt like it just, again, like you talk about tone and, 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 and I felt like the tone, I think my biggest issue with this comic is how the tone just shifted so drastically. I mean, this comic, I mean, not that there wasn't fun in the first three issues, but there was this kind of this urgency and this direness, you know, like this dystopian world. And, you know, Peter has this, you know, has his wife and kid, but like, you know, they can't live their lives. And he's, and he gave up being Spider-Man to protect them. And he's being forced to kind of come out of his comfort zone and at the risk of them. And then, you know, it, you got Annie kicking Craven in the balls. And it's just kind of like, okay, we're, we're, we're now doing a jokey Dan Slott comic again instead of a more serious one. And, and it just didn't jibe with me. It made me empathize with Craven because I felt the same way. I was like, this comic just kicked me in the balls. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, like, there, there was nothing in the first three issues that indicated ball shots would be a part of the story. <laughs> I, you know, again, I'm not trying to be stupid about it, but it's just like, I, I, I don't, this felt like a different series. And maybe if we got this for three other issues, it wouldn't bother me so much. Although I think if we got this for three earlier issues, it would have other things that I would have had issue with would have accompanied it. So. Sure. But can, I'm just can saying. Can I say this as well? Like, I feel like Annie's costume looks like something totally goofy. It's like this, like. And I understand it's supposed to be cobbled together and stuff, but the design is ugly and it's just kind of silly looking. She's got this cape. It just seems like something out of a very different type of story. You know, not for nothing, I don't even understand why she needed a costume, period. You know what I mean? Like, I think right. the, 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 gritty, the grittiness of the situation would have been enhanced if she was just in her kid clothes. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's like a, a tonal shift, Dan. A total, a total tonal shift. Say that three times fast. Uh, <laughs> Not to, like, linger on this too much, we don't really often talk about the covers to these books, but I thought the cover to this book was so lazy. The design with the empty white background, I I haven't seen a comic do that in so long. I thought it was just so – I picked it up and I was like, this looks cheap. Like, yeah, the artwork is good. Like, the drawing of Annie and, like, the beetle and boomerang, everybody is rendered really well, but – that flat white background, like, come on, guys. You could have yeah. put uh, at least a color gradient in the background. Although I will say, Dan, I mean, on the topic of artwork, I did feel this was probably Kubert's weakest effort inside. Yeah, and that's hard to judge because the, you know, the inside, uh, you know, the book, the credits page says it's Scott Hanna and Kubert. And wh- yeah. while I like both of their artwork, I think both of them have a very different feel. And Hannah definitely feels more like on the lines of like kind of like happy, you know, like kid friendly. I-, I dare say like Marvel Adventures Spider-Man. But right. like there's a lightness and roundedness to his inks and art pencil work that I don't think is in Kubert's work. And to accompany your tonal shift in the story, I feel like the art had a huge tonal shift as well. Yeah, but I mean, I also just felt like there were certain action sequences that just felt rigid 
for lack sure. of a better word. You know what I mean? Like, like there's a there's a scene early where like Spidey is punching. I think it's one of the Sinister Six, and it's like it just looks very fake and phony. You know, there's like this. It's lacking that dynamic action, and you know, dealing again with the ball shot. I had a hard time reading that scene. Well, she doesn't wasn't even kick clear. him in the ball. She kicks him in the like lower chest. It just wasn't clear. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, it was like a weird angled position, that action. And you're right. It didn't translate. I mean, you know, what, what, what they said happened versus what they showed happened were two different things, it felt like. Sure. And uh, speaking of miscommunication between story and art, I, I want to talk about the reveal of Hawkeye as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., yeah, boo. I mean, I, I mean, I love Hawkeye. Don't get me wrong, but you know, like y- they kept him in shadow. You would expect it something bigger than the guy who's always associated with Shield in the comics these days. Yeah, it was just really weird to me, and it makes me wonder. Like, I mean, I, obviously, I don't know who was doing what behind the scenes in in this issue, um, but it makes me wonder about the whole like you know Dan Slott doing things the Marvel way where. Where you know he writes a you know general outline of the plot, and then the artist draws it, and then he fills in the dialogue later, because it makes me wonder if maybe he described a mysterious figure as the head of Shield, and they drew these heavy shadows in, and it was never meant to be a big reveal, but it really like we spent last issue guessing who we thought or last episode guessing who we thought it was. And now it's like, why did we even bother? Like, you know, <laughs> if it had just been Hawkeye presented clearly and plainly, I would be like, oh, neat, Hawkeye. But now but he's because, got an eye patch. Right. Because of this false mystery, I'm like let down by it. It's like if you're going to make a mystery like where you don't need one, at least make it have an interesting reveal. And then like, I mean, on top of that, like. I really this was this was to me this was just very sloppy characterization because you kind of have Hawkeye spouting off about how Spider-Man was a quitter and blah 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 and then like later within the same scene you have Ben Urich who's part of like the shield resistance I guess saying to Mary Jane don't worry we all know what Peter was doing that night and yeah. you're just kind of like huh like then what was with the grandstanding from cuz I kind of liked that in a I think it was in issue Two or three might have been two, where there were like other hero. Well, there were there were the Shield characters talking about Spider-Man being a quitter, and I kind of liked the premise of that being floated. Uh, you know, because it kind of plays in with Spider-Man's poor perception. You know what I mean? Like he's he's he. You know, when even when he tries to do the responsible thing, it's always viewed as him being selfish or him doing you know being a. Uh, a menace or a terrorist or whatever, Jonah concocts, et cetera. Um, so I liked that. But then, like, they just kind of negate it here by having Ben Yurick be like, oh, no, you know, it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take I, care of him, MJ. It's all good. I mean. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have a problem with Ben Yurick being a part of S.H.I.E.L.D., but I don't know about you, but when he showed up, I had, like, a real whiplash moment. I was like, what? <laughs> what is he doing here? <laughs> It's an imaginary world. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, no, that's that's fine. I just like it, I have to admit to having at least some kind of like what? Yeah, it's just I whatever. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking uh, of shields like team, there's a bunch of kind of like 
I want to say like weird B C list heroes like on making up this team, including like the spot who is now I guess a good guy. Um, yeah, and I actually kind of liked the 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 premise for the spot here. That he, yeah, me too. Um, I mean, that's the thing. There are some clever things in this issue, but it's just, it's just such a shift. I mean, you know, but but the spot I felt was well done in terms of his his shtick that you know the region had started to. What was it that, that he started started to steal him like his powers mid teleportation? So it kind of like took chunks of him out. Yeah, uh, and for some reason it's still removing chunks from him. I'm not necessarily. Yeah, well, it's sure like every why. time he every time he teleports, like another chunk of him is missing or something. Like yeah, that. it's another one of these like video gamey conceits. But <laughs> don't take too many chunks or you'll die. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a definite mishmash here of characters. Although it does, you know, I I do wonder. If this is another instance, and and you know, you just—I I hate to be this way—but there is precedent of of Dan Slott kind of showing off his knowledge of deep cut characters. Sure. Not well, that the spot is that deep cut, but well, I don't know. Speaking of the spot, you know, he uses his portals to teleport. But and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Mark, but I never thought that the spot was a teleporter. I thought he had like his own pocket dimension that he could pop in and out of. Not yes. necessarily teleport around. Right. But, you know, alternate Earth and change artistic license, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Was, I was just like, wait a minute. Is this is this really the like are we are we should be we be using like the cloak here? Yeah. I mean, the other, yeah, um, cloak would have been good. Um, you know, and the other like, I mean, just not to jump around a little bit, but like another thing, speaking of kind of like character changes. So. In this in this iteration, the Sinister Six, none of them actually have powers. I guess these are all just it's either mechanical attachments or enhancements and things like that. They're not no, nothing is because they, they they they're very clear about that. That Regent doesn't keep around people who have powers. I just I don't know. Any thoughts on that, Dan? I actually really like this a lot because um, I think it actually provides a bit of world building, like that maybe you know wasn't. Like so upfront when we first saw it, because we saw the new lineup for the Sinister Six, and we're like, okay, this is an interesting new lineup. But this kind of like explains why that is, and also kind of tells you about like, like one why Regent allows some people to keep working for him with you know like superpowers that aren't actually powers, and um, and I kind of like that because all the characters in his lineup are people that have like. Uh, tech enhancements are just like really talented human beings, like the crave, like Craven, right? I mean, right, right, uh, yeah. I mean, Craven is a super hunter, for lack of a better word, you know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but they're not powers. Yeah, but uh, again, I, I know I said this a couple episodes ago, but this kind of underlines for me why I, I kind of think this story makes more sense as like an X Men story than it does a Spider Man story. You know, with this emphasis on like. Mutant. It's like it seems like a very like mutants versus other heroes kind of story. You know, like people with tainted powers are, you know, routinely rounded up and executed by the government. That to me, that's like an X Men story. But you know, I guess I guess it's interesting to see it applied to a Spider Man tale. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I guess my only issue is. Is you know I feel like this, this is an, an odd bit of new information to introduce in the fourth issue of a five part miniseries. Um, 
you know, it never, it never dawned on me that that would even be relevant until they made, made note of it here. So for whatever that's worth. (laughs) Um, all right. What else we got here, Dan? I will say not to do this completely backwards, but I really like the opening flashback scenes with Annie. Like she said, like, you know, she thought her name was Annie. No. And as a child, like, you know, I remember feeling that way sometimes, uh, although I was a bit of a stickler for the rules. I was that kid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as people maybe could surmise by my strict adherence to script sometimes in this show. But uh, I kind of like that. And I think, you know, we, we commented on the kind of like smart family-based nuance that was in previous issues that we thought was, you know, kind of surprising from a, a, a guy like slot who I, you know, doesn't have a family of his own necessarily in that, in this manner, you know, to show like, that's kind of a, like an insider thing that somebody with a family would, would think of. And I thought that was really smart. Yeah, no, I definitely, I mean, like he, he, and, and when you get those moments, it kind of makes you, um, kind of yearn for, for more of that, which is what he was giving us in the first three issues. So, I mean, but no, that that was that was well done. I mean, like I said, there are elements. I don't think this was, this was this was not on par with 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 Spider Verse towards the end. I mean, I I really want to be clear about that. I mean, would you agree with that, Dan? I mean, this wasn't like a, it was a, a huge like nosedive. It's just a disappointment. Yeah, and and really, for what it is, it's the penultimate issue. It's the like save everything for the last issue issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like delay so that the last issue can have as many awesome moments as possible. And yeah, and and even when even with the idea of Peter having to get saved again, especially by a new character or a character that you know was kind of not really powerful leading up to this, even with that in mind, like kind of like that that closing shot of MJ and and Annie going into the spot and like we got to go save Dad. Like I I, I kind of got minor chills with that i was like all right there you know like this there's still some good stuff that can come down in the fifth issue it's just i feel like there are other things that that were introduced in this issue that now make things problematic and kind of painted them into a corner in a weird way which is just you know frustrating because this really could have been i don't want to say an all-time great story but certainly from the past few years a really really good story and now I almost wonder, regardless of what the final issue is like, if they kind of like box themselves in in some ways. Yeah. What's interesting to me is how well this book has been selling. I don't know if you've been keeping up on that, Mark. Um, um, I'm assuming it's like top five, right? It is. And like Marvel's making a real push for this final issue to kind of say that it's a big issue and that something really big happens in it. And uh, that will carry over. And, and Dan Slott has kind of said that. And People have kind of guessed maybe it's that Regent becomes like a, you know, goes back to being in the 616 or whatever that universe is going to be called, uh, like being a business rival of Peter's or whatever. But I think like with the number of these sales, I mean, it's it's Spider-Man has always been high recently, but this right. is even higher than it has been. And it almost makes you wonder, like Marvel really would have to ignore the sales on this book, like looking at how well a Mary Jane and Peter book is selling. Um, you have to think that they look at this and go like, maybe we did make a bad decision in the long run on this thing. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it would. There would have to be so much crow that would have to be eaten for them to ever reverse that. And I just don't see people in this day and age publicly eating that amount of crow. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't think it's going to happen. Let me just be clear. I don't think. Yeah, no, I know, I know, but, but together. But it would be nice if she played a real role in the new series and not a not a superficial one like what we had been getting, I think, post-Spider Island through Superior. You know, Spider Island seemed to indicate that she was going to be a big part of the book again, and then that kind of fizzled out, and then Superior happened, and then, you know, I felt the way her reunion with Peter was kind of handled at the end of Superior was botched, and, you know, so it would be nice if she was just at least had a presence again, you know? Yeah, I think that's the big point is, I mean, I don't need to have them married. Like, I don't need to have, like, a shining documentation of their marriage living in my house. You know, I I have that. It's amazing. They don't even need to to be romantically inclined. It's just, like, can they just be friends? And can she just not be made out to be either a dummy or or a shrew or whatever else that they were trying to make her out to be in the vast majority of stories, you know, like that's, I think what I'm asking for. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, she, I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but I think, you know, for the most part, MJ has been the best supporting cast character in the book. You mean over the, the entirety of the book, right? Yes. Over the entirety of, of amazing Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, I would say best supporting character not named J. Jonah Jameson, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean, J. Jonah Jameson is just kind of his own unique, you know, supernova of stuff. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. he's a he's a ally, he's an adversary, he's a villain, he's, you know. <laughs> and when handled correctly, he's the best of all of those things. Yeah, no, but, but yeah, I mean, if you're taking Jonah off the table, you know, in terms of just kind of normal people if that makes sense <laughs> mj is the best has been the best and and you know for a while i mean even even in the bronze age where you know again where they weren't married i felt she was great you know like there there's some really good stories in the 70s that feature mj i mean we we talked about some of them yeah um anywho uh want to do great here dan sure why not i'm gonna give it a c plus all right, I'm just a, a notch below you with a C. All right, great. All right, Mark, well, we got a really special announcement coming up next, so all you listeners, uh, get on the hype train, I guess. And Choo-choo! There it is. <laughs> That's the hype train pulling into station. And, uh, and just stay tuned for the big announcement. out there prepared to become fashion icons i don't know if we're all ready for this well i i think you should be because i i can tell you right now dan i am i'm ready to be did uh, you already order one mark oh well you you bet i already ordered one i'd me order too. 10 i'd order 10 <laughs> if it wasn't kind of silly for me to order 10 uh, <laughs> becoming your own bart simpson over here yeah exactly but 
we are going to be introducing the brand new inaugural Amazing Spider Talk t-shirt. Tell them all about it, Dan. Yeah, it's something that's been like uh, in the works for a while, and maybe you've heard me announce it elsewhere or seen it on our site. But yeah, we, we, uh, I had a bunch of designs made up for a number of t-shirts, and uh, this is the first of many t-shirts that we're going to be doing for our show. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to help support the show and also get something cool uh, for your money, at least I think they're cool, right, Mark? I think I think this is a beautiful looking shirt, Dan. And I, I hope uh, if you in your little iOS device right now, you can see a little visual of it, right, Dan? Yeah, it's, it's the awesome spider eyes, and it has our our famous motto, which is Mark. With great podcasts, must also come amazing spider talk. Yeah, so it's a design idea I had a while back, and I hired an artist to to mock it up for me, and. Uh, this is the result. So what we're trying to do is sell at least 30 of these shirts so that we can pay back the cost of the designs and do more shirts in the future and also get shirts out to the contributors who uh, make SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and our amazing Spider Talk podcast something that we can do every week. Um, you know, everybody works for free here. Um, and I figure the least we can do is kind of get T-shirts to everyone. But, you know, I can't really afford to do that myself. And so, yeah, we thought this could be a great way to get everybody something. Yeah. So uh, we definitely encourage you to, to buy these while supplies last. It'll probably be the first of many, right? Yeah, it's going to be the first of many. And if the response to this is positive enough, then, yeah, we're going to be doing a lot more shirts and items. Mark and I sat down and had a meeting a, a, a couple of weeks ago, or I guess a couple of months ago, about all the different like ideas that we had for cool products based off of jokes that we've done on the show. And uh, I'm sure many of you can guess some of the jokes that will make an appearance on shirts and hats and other items. Um, but yeah, if this first one is a success, then we want to do more of them. But uh, we have. Two more weeks to reach 30 shirts. We've already sold 12, so we need 18 more to be sold in the next two weeks by September 8th when the, uh, when the uh, shirts are going to be taken down. So you have until then to check it out. And I will say that the shirts come in a bunch of different sizes and colors, whatever you want. And uh, they're American apparel shirts, so they're made here in America. And these are the top quality shirts that, that we could find on the site. To, to get to you guys, so they're going to be really nice and last a long time. And once you get a shirt, and once you get it in the mail, um, it'll probably it's probably they're probably going to ship them out after the eighth, right, Dan? Is that the drill, or are yeah, they? If we reach our goal, then they get sent the day. So if we reach 30, 30 shirts sold, they get sent out that day. But if we don't reach thirty shirts, then you have to wait until the eighth for them to be shipped out. Right. Well, I was going to say, once you get those shirts, so probably in a couple more weeks, uh, definitely take photos of them, selfies, whatever, send them in to us. We'll, 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 we'll put them in the podcast feed if you like, you know, say okay to print or whatever, because uh, we want to we wanna see you guys wearing these shirts. I think, I think you're going to be really happy with what they look like. Yeah, so if you climb up Machu Picchu and you want to take a picture in your amazing spider dog shirt, send it our way. Maybe we'll do a contest to see who can send us one of the uh, picture of one of these shirts in the most far flung of places. Yes. 
Although, what, what would you? What, what would the prize be? A free T-shirt? No. <laughs> a ticket back home. <laughs> uh, great stuff. Well, Dan, do you want to get to the goodbye portion? Yeah, sure. So, of course, with these shirts, you can find them on our sites, and you can uh, go to the pot link in the show notes to get to them. But as always, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and old Superior Spider Talk podcasts at my website, superiorspidertalk.com, or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And we didn't get any comments this time, so uh, if you do go on those uh, sites, please make sure to leave us a comment or review as they're a great way to help our community grow and be discovered by new listeners. And of course, we didn't have any emails either, so if you have any opinions on the comics we discussed today or any questions, be sure to email them to us at AmazingSpiderTalk at gmail.com, and we'll be sure to address and read them on the air. I guess we're not the only ones who are a little burned out from back-to-back-to-back weeks of comics, Dan. Yeah, That's... right. It has, been, it has been pretty crazy. After a break, a long break from comics... Yeah, but definitely let us know what you think of the shirts and the show and everything else by by hitting us up on Gmail. Uh, Or you could check out both of our Facebook pages at facebook.com slash superior spider talk and facebook.com slash chasing amazing. We actually uh, put some information about the shirts up on our Facebook pages. We also put up our articles, uh, other breaking news about the Spider-Man universe uh, and just general getting in touch with us kind of stuff. So Facebook.com uh, is, is, is a great way to do that. So, um, yeah, Dan, what else we got? <laughs> <laughs> As always, though, guys, if you want to follow the adventures of Spider-Gwen and Miles Morales in a similar format, be sure to subscribe to our sister podcast, The Ultimate Spin, hosted by Brian, Kyle, and Noor. As always, a special thanks to the talented art, uh, musical artists who contributed uh, to our show music, including our theme song from Ryland Bojack and our outro song from Magic. And a special thanks to Nick Cagnetti, Ray Sumzer, Ron Friends, and Sal Busema for our show's awesome artwork. Mark, where can we find you on the internet this week? Well, you can keep following my uh, countdown of the greatest Spider-Man and Fantastic Four stories on SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Dan, Dan, uh, we're about halfway through the list now. Uh, any any surprises for you? Uh, yeah, there's been a bunch, but I was really pleased to see the uh, uh, Spider-Man Human Torch sharing an apartment comic. Uh, that's one of my favorite uh, issues of Fantastic Four. Uh, I think we discussed that on another show, but you know, reading your write-up was really nice, so that was really yes. cool to see. My home is engorged. <laughs> um, <laughs> back away from the nerd. Uh, and then, of course, you can find me on the Twitter sphere at ChasingASM blog. Awesome, Mark. And you, Dan? Of course, yeah. You can f- find me on Twitter at, at Dan Gavazdan or my Spider-Man account and the account for our website at SupSpiderTalk where we give out all kinds of free comics, and I post my ramblings about any number of things. And uh, you can read all of our Spider-Man writing at superiorspidertalk.com and all of my movie reviews at grindmyreels.com, where I'm going to be starting a new project real soon that I'm excited to announce. Uh, Maybe I'll do that in a couple weeks. Um, But keep an eye on grindmyreels.com as well. Uh, Mark, the other day I was at Best Buy... And I was walking down the television aisle with all those awful high frame rate televisions that they have. And they had them all turned to this one channel that featured a young girl kicking a man in an animal costume in the groin. 
But even more important than that is that I saw your Uncle Ben. He was there laughing with me. Any idea what he was shopping for? Um, <laughs> I always thought Uncle Ben was more of a Target guy. Um, Maybe he was looking specifically for some really expensive electronics that he could have ordered online but decided to go to the store instead. No, you know what? I, 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 I think – I think he actually was checking out the Geek Squad because um, he he kept hearing rumors that he died, and he was like getting really upset by it. And and I was like, well, well, Ben, Uncle Ben, I, what I would tell you to do is go on the internet and Google yourself and what happened because this is ridiculous. Why does everyone think you're dead? Why does everyone think you tragically got shot by a burglar when you've been alive and well for years? Um, and so he, he went to, first he was just like, well, what's a computer? And I'm like, this, that, that box in the corner of your room. And he had like one of those like old Mac LC models from like the, the early nineties. So he tried starting it up. And of course, like it, you know, sad macking on him, and it was just terrible. And he's like, ah, what am I going to do with this? I'm like, why don't, why don't you take it to Best Buy, have the Geek Squad check it out. Maybe they can, you know, erase your hard drive and, and put some new software on it. And you can go on the Internet and find out why everyone thinks you're dead. And he was like, all right. So he took it in. And of course, the Geek Squad's like, this, this computer is like 30 years old. We can't do anything with this. And, and he was like, you know, first really upset. And then, you know, he saw the television and he started laughing and he was like, you know, as bad as things can be, I'm always reminded with great podcasts must also come amazing spider talk. 